0: Our text from God in his word this morning is Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 10. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 10. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. The verse breaks down quite conveniently into three parts. The first part of the text is, Who among you that feareth the Lord? It's an address and a summons uh, to people. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? The voice of the servant. Uh, We're going to listen to that uh, in the sermon here. And then, Who among you is walking in darkness and hath no light? Well, let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. So, three questions and then one um, encouragement. And if the answer to those questions for you is yes, I fear the Lord. I obey the voice of his servant. I am walking in darkness and don't seem to have any light. Then the summons to you is trust. Trust in the name of the Lord. Lean, stay, depend upon uh, your God. Hymns are, are very uh, precious things uh, and they have served uh, Christians uh, throughout the, the centuries. Uh, Christian songs and hymns are a blessing to so many. One of the most Uh, enduring songs might be uh, Amazing Grace, uh, written by a man who'd experienced Amazing Grace. And it's been a blessing to to many. Many sing it, obviously, without really understanding it, but it's a blessing to many. And the the best hymns, the most enduring hymns, are the hymns that are uh, conceived in and born out of uh, deep Christian experience. That's why they they resonate so much uh, with the ongoing Christian community. David uh, was the sweet psalmist of Israel, and many of his psalms were born out of his experiences in life, his experiences of God's favour. The Lord Jesus Christ is a greater than David. And the songs of the Lord Jesus Christ are more enduring Born out of deeper experience, and have blessed more people than all the Psalms of David, the songs of Jesus. Isaiah has four songs of Jesus. They're called the Servant Songs. And uh, this is one of the Servant Songs that we're looking at this morning in Isaiah 50. The most famous one has blessed more people in history than any other song that's ever been written. The servant song of Isaiah 53. It's a song about Jesus. And uh, who can doubt that so many people have been blessed more deeply, more eternally uh, from that servant song than any other song that's ever been written. Two of the songs as it were, prophetically put the words in Jesus' mouth. And this third servant song is one of those, where Jesus is speaking. So Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus, composes the song that really will be born out of the experience that Jesus has. And will Isaiah's prophetic song will be given significance and meaning as it comes through the life of Jesus and, as it were, from the lips of Jesus. And this servant song can definitely be a blessing to us this morning. So what I want us to do is to be in awe of God, who among you fears the Lord, to be in awe of God, to listen to the voice of his servant, obeying the voice of his servant. Especially if... Your life's pathway this morning is a pathway of darkness. To be in awe of God, to listen to the voice of his servant. Any one of you who is walking in darkness and has no light. And then to be encouraged to trust in the name of the Lord. uh, From the servant and from his song. So first of all, be in awe of God. Who among you feareth the Lord. Uh, many Christians, when they are trying to witness to somebody, may get the response from a person that says, well, I'm not religious, so what you've got to say doesn't really touch me at all. That's very disappointing for a Christian to, to hear that kind of thing. And it's also an empty shield on the person who speaks it. It's disappointing because uh, the Christian was not going to talk about religion anyway. They were going to talk about God and a relationship with God, not religion. So it doesn't really matter whether you're religious or not. I wasn't going to talk about religion. And then it's empty as a shield and a deflector from the person who says it. Because uh, whether they're religious or not is irrelevant. That's not the point. The point is God is real. And each individual soul is a soul. Made in the image of God, made for the worship of God. And our relationship with God is of vital importance. A good relationship with God, you'll be walking in the light. A bad relationship with God or no relationship with God, you'll be walking in the darkness. And sometimes, even when you've got a good relationship with God, you can be walking in the darkness. But that's a a sanctifying darkness. (laughs) Religious practice uh, doesn't improve our relationship with God. In fact, religious practice can often be a barrier to relationship with God and be destructive of any relationship with God too busy doing their religious bit, they don't have a relationship with God at all. It's just them and their religion. So if anybody says to you, I'm not religious, you say, well, thank God you're not religious because it's uh, that's a dangerous thing to be religious. But have you a relationship with God? Because you are spiritual and you do have a relationship with God. It's either a good one or a bad one. You're either dead In darkness and sin, which is a bad place to be, or you're alive uh, to God. Walking in the darkness, distant from God, is the background to the song here. Uh, In chapter 49, in verse 14, Zion says, Ah, the Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. That's... That was their dark path at that time. They felt forgotten. They felt forsaken by God. The opening verses of chapter fifty, which introduce the song. Thus says the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement you might put away? To which of your, my creditors have I sold you? They, they felt as if they'd been divorced, as if God had divorced them. As if God had sold them to somebody else. That was nonsense. But that's how they felt. They felt in the darkness. They were dark feelings of being forgotten, forsaken, divorced, sold on. But that wasn't due to God. God is unchanging in his love and his faithfulness. So the writer, the the Lord says, you know, if you, if you dig out this imaginary divorce bill, what's written on it? Why, why were you divorced? Why did I put you away, if that's what you're feeling? Your iniquities have put you away. That's why you were put away. Creditors. To which of my creditors? God is a debtor to no man. He hasn't got any creditors. You've sold yourselves, he says, for your iniquities. You're in darkness because of your sinful ways. And it's undoubtedly true that sin brings death and darkness. And there are many people who are walking in darkness. There are many Christians who, because they're not conquering sin, the, the light and the joy of their Christian life is dimmed and overshadowed and darkened. Walking in darkness. Does anyone stand in awe of God? Anyone fear God, listens to the voice of his servant, walking in the darkness? Well, it's the darkness that we can create around ourselves. When we forget what God is like, how awesome he is. And so God, to the people who feel forsaken and forgotten, divorced and sold. God says, don't you know who I am? And then he says, the power I've got to deliver. Is my hand at all shortened that it cannot save? You think God has... uh, once been able to stretch out his hand to save but no longer he, he can't do that anymore he's getting old in heaven and uh, his his muscles are not so good and his his hand is shortened that it cannot save is my hand shortened that it cannot save god challenges us i've still got the power to save people have i no power to deliver and to remember what i did about the, the river, drying up the, the waters of the Red Sea, holding back the rivers of waters of the Jordan so that people could pass on dry land. That's the kind of power that God has. He says, remember what I did in Egypt to save the people? How I turned the water into blood, made it a kind of wilderness, a, a, an environment in which fish couldn't survive, so they died. They couldn't uh, live in that environment. So I made the Red Sea, the the, the Nile, like a a wilderness. And then I clothed the heavens with blackness. You remember the plague? The darkness that came upon Egypt. A darkness that could be felt. God brought that darkness on the land. And then the the darkness of the, the Passover night. It was a full moon necessary for the children of Israel to make their wilderness journey start. But it was a dark night of grief for all the people in Egypt, where their firstborn child died. So God said you should be in awe. Of God. You might be walking in the darkness. You may feel forgotten, forsaken, divorced. You might feel as if God has sold you down the line. But no. He's got the power. He's done it in the past. His hand is not shortened that it cannot save. And uh, God has a servant. A servant to do things for us to save us. So let's intensify the awe that we have of God when we listen to this song of the servant. It's a song born in prophecy, uh, but it's from the the deep experiences of Jesus as well. The song has got three sections. Uh, They're not quite three verses, but three sections. The servant's speech, The servant's sufferings and the servant's success. Uh, Those three sections to the song. song. Speech, suffering, success. And it will not be difficult to hear Jesus uh, in this song. We won't be able to hear his voice. And it's not the sweetness and tenderness of Jesus' voice that's the important thing. The important thing is the content of what he says. And we will hear him speaking these things. Because it's unmistakably Jesus sp- singing this song or s- speaking this song. start uh, of the song is Jesus speaking. And it, the, the, the first part there uh, is the, the, the change in verse 4. So verse 1 to 3 is... Thus says the Lord God. And then in verse 4, there's a change where it says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. So it's no longer the the Lord God speaking, but it's this person who says me. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. And then in verse uh, 10, our text, you read that this is the voice of the servant. Who among you fears the Lord that obeyeth the voice of his servant? It's the servant's song. And he says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I may know how to speak a word in season, to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning, he wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. The people of Jerusalem heard Jesus teaching in the temple in one of their, at one of their feasts, And they marveled, saying, how knoweth this man letters, having never learned? This man has never been to one of our academies, never been to one of our universities, never been seated under the, the watchful tuition of Gamaliel or anyone like that. How does this man have all this wisdom and knowledge if he's never been schooled in one of our schools? That's what they Asked, and Jesus answered them and said, uh, John seven fourteen to seventeen. My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. All Jesus' teaching was given him by God. It's a servant song. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned. That I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. You remember Jesus Christ uh, traveling with the disciples, weary with his journey, and he sat on the well at Sychar and sent the disciples into the village to get some provisions. And whilst he sat there, a woman came. Who was weary but in a different way, weary with life. She'd gone through five marriages. What weary marriages they were. Each ended in divorce. She was getting involved in a, a new relationship with a man and how weary that was proving to be. Jesus sat there weary, with his journey, this woman came weary with her life, and Jesus asked for water. And you know how the account develops how that he promised her living water. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. How seasonable were the words of Jesus to that woman at the well. I know you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. Well, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but the water that I give him, he will never thirst. It will be like a spring of water springing up within him to everlasting life. The Lord was given these words of wisdom to speak to this weary woman and change her life. The weariness was eliminated. The the, the lack of purpose, the, the dreariness of life was changed for that woman in that moment when Jesus spoke to her. Come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Isn't this the Christ, the Messiah, the servant of God? You remember Jesus' invitation in Matthew 11? Come unto me, All you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, and you shall find rest for your souls. For I am meek and lowly and humble of heart, and you will find rest. Jesus gives rest. He introduces people to his Father and the love of his Father and the rest and the peace that can come. Bringing people out of darkness and gloom and distance from God, bringing them into a relationship with God. Come to me, Jesus says. I'll teach you. I'll teach you about my father. He's given words to me, words of wisdom to speak to the weary, and I can give them rest. Remember the two on the road to Emmaus? They were no doubt emotionally weary, physically exhausted, spiritually drained and empty. Their hopes have been cruelly smashed by the cold, calculated crucifixion of Jesus by the chief priests and scribes. His corpse seemingly had been stolen, although there were some women who claimed that he was raised from the dead. It was into their weariness that Jesus came and spoke. It wasn't the soothing tone of his voice, you fools and slow of heart. Uh, may not have been the tone of his voice that cheered them up. It was the content of what he said. Content was everything. Although undoubtedly the tone of Jesus' voice was beautiful as well. And what happened to these weary, cold-hearted, depressed disciples? Jesus' words energizes them. Jesus' words comforts them. Jesus' words thaws them out and warms them up, and their hearts burn within them as they then want to turn around and go all the way back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples. The song, "The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He waketh me morning by morning. He awaketh my ear to hear as the learned. You remember, Jesus would be up and away, and the disciples say, well, where is he? Where's he got to? And they go out and they find him. He's, he's praying, communing with his Father, wakened in the morning by this communion with his Father in heaven, learning more, wanting to take the word on to more weary souls elsewhere. The Lord Jesus. He's a word for the weary. He's no doubt got a word for you and for me. Then the song expresses the truth of the sufferings. Some of the sufferings. Each of the servant songs mentions sufferings. Uh, Each song goes deeper into the sufferings of Jesus until you get to the fourth song, Isaiah 53, 52 and 53, where you get this astonishing description of the sufferings of jesus but here in this song you have the sufferings not described as by an observer but described from jesus himself he talks about and sings about his sufferings he says here in verse five and six the lord god hath opened mine ear and i was not rebellious neither turned away back i gave my back to the smiters my cheeks to them that pluck off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. The Lord God will help me, and therefore I will not be confounded. Therefore I have set my face like a flint. I know I shall not be ashamed. The Lord God opened the ears of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was not rebellious. He didn't turn back. I gave my back to the smiters. Remember how he told his disciples, Luke 18, verse 31. He took, told his disciples and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written in the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. His father had opened Jesus' ears to all those prophetic scriptures about what was going to happen to him. And he didn't turn back. Before my uh, 60th birthday present, uh, Rosalind, together with a number of other people, teamed together to uh, buy me a holiday in Israel. And uh, it was a very special holiday. One of the memorable moments was walking down the Mount of Olives on the, the route that Jesus would have taken uh, on what we call Palm Sunday, and stopping halfway down the hill and looking across to Jerusalem and thinking, Jesus would have ridden down here. He'd have passed this point knowing exactly what was going to happen to him over the next week and especially the next weekend before the next weekend. But he didn't turn back. He didn't turn back. God had opened his ear, told him what was ahead, but he said, I didn't turn back. I gave my back to the smiters. We read about it in Matthew and Mark and John. This is John's account of it. It gives us a sense of the horror of what happened to Jesus. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Pilate watched as Jesus was tormented with this scourge. It's a a, a whip that has sharp pieces of bone in the thongs of the whip. It has leaded weights to make sure that the, the whip comes down to bruise and the shards of bone penetrate the skin and then it's whipped away to tear the back to pieces. Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. When he'd seen enough. And when Jesus could scarcely bear any more. He left him in the hands of the soldiers. Who stripped Jesus. Put a purple robe on him. Put a crown of thorns upon him. And they said hail king of the Jews. They smote him with their hands. Pilate. Therefore went forth again to the crowds, and he said to them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns, the purple robe. And Jesus said unto them, Behold the man. Look at him. Torn, broken. Broken. And the servant song says, I gave my back to the smiters, my cheeks to them that pull off the hair. And then he says, the song says, I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Remember at his trial before the Sanhedrin, uh, they accused him of blasphemy. Then they did spit in his face. And buffeted him. Others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy to us, thou Christ. Who is he that smote thee? And later on these soldiers that dressed him in the purple robe, on another occasion, they smote him on the head with the reed and did spit upon him. Bowing their knees, they worshipped him. Just as the song said. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. And then too, it says there in verse 7 of our passage, Isaiah 50, I set my face like a flint. He knew his face would be beaten and his beard plucked out and his face spat upon but he set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. You remember the Samaritans, uh, they didn't welcome him because they could see his face was set on Jerusalem. So they despise him. The servant's speech. The servant's sufferings. And then the servant in his song expresses the truth uh, about his sufferings. He's going to Succeed. He's going to succeed. How could Jesus uh, determine to go forward? It's because he knew that God would help him. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore I shall not be confounded. Therefore I have set my face like a flint. I know that I shall not be ashamed. He is near that justifieth me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that will condemn me? The confidence of Jesus, the faith of Jesus, the trust of Jesus in his Father. I know I can go forward to this I know that I can go forward to being spat upon and beaten and scourged because God will help me. God will help me. Jesus, as a man, trusted in God. He trusted in the wilderness when Satan said, you know, give up on God. Why don't you, as the son of God, if that's what you are, just command these stones and they'll become bread? Jesus said, no, 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 no. That's not the way for me. I'm not denying I'm the son of God. But I'm a man and I'm here to save men. And I must live like a man. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He trusted God. He trusted God when cast into the outer darkness of death. When God would... Bring down the plague of darkness upon Jesus. And when Jesus would be cast into the outer darkness, Jesus still trusted God to bring him through it. Psalm 16, uh, applied to the Lord Jesus Christ. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence there is fullness of joy. The the, the confidence of Jesus, the trust of Jesus, that although he is going to experience this condemnation, yet God would vindicate him. He is near that justifieth me. And knowing that God would vindicate him, justify him, and exalt him, Jesus could could bear it all. And that's so relevant for us. Because God invites us to listen to his servant, to trust the sufferings of his servant to be our salvation. And just as the servant is beyond all condemnation, So those who trust in Jesus are beyond all condemnation. They're brought out of the darkness of a condemned situation before God into the light and joy of forgiveness and peace and eternity with God. Uh, Paul uh, says it, doesn't he? Uh, who, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Who's going to lay any charge against God's elect? It's God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? This Christ that died, yea rather, is risen again, whoever lives to make intercession for us. Our hope, our joy, our peace and confidence is because Jesus suffered all this condemnation and has been vindicated. And we share that vindication. It's his vindication that's given to us. So, if you're walking in darkness, weary. And have so little light in your life at present. Then stand in awe of God. His hand is not shortened that it cannot save. He has power. He can deliver. And it's through his servant. Listen to the voice of my servant. Listen to his song. Listen to the song that was born in prophecy but lived in the experience of Jesus and uh, given such gravity by those experiences and has been such a blessing to thousands through the year, through the decades and the years. Listen to him. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Trust in God. This God who sent his servant to suffer triumph so that we could share the triumph, enter the light and joy with him. So may we all not be in the darkness but come into the light with Jesus.